Good morning, I'm Sam Hornbrook, pastor of Hispanic Ministries here at Faith North. Well, before George Washington became president, he was the general of the Continental Army. And at the beginning, not everyone was that happy about him being the general. There were guys of higher rank with more experience. And at the beginning of the war, they suffered some defeats. And the naysayers got even louder. However, by the end of the war, it was clear to the new nation that they had an amazing leader in charge of the army. One of the reasons George Washington was able to defeat a larger, more experienced English army was his efficiency at moving supplies and soldiers quickly. The American army showed up at places that the enemy was not expecting, and the victories began to come. One of the first victories was due to the crossing of the Delaware River. Christmas night of 1776. How would you like to spend your Christmas night doing that? Crossing a cold river, making it through the ice, wondering if your boat was going to make it without sinking? But he crossed with 2,400 soldiers to Trenton, New Jersey. And the day after Christmas, he and his soldiers surprised the Hessians who were still celebrating Christmas or getting over their celebration of the day before. And they captured 1,000 soldiers. When leadership is done well, a great deal gets accomplished with teamwork and efficiency. It's a beautiful thing, and it's fulfilling to be a part of something like that. When leadership is not done well, there is waste, inefficiency, there's frustration, and maybe that's what comes to mind as some of us think about leadership because of our not-so-great experiences. And much of what falls under the heading of leadership today would be labeled by Jesus as Gentile-style Leadership. That's the way leaders who don't know the Lord do it. See, Jesus said in Matthew 25, Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. See, our Lord calls leaders to function very differently than those who do not care about his guidance and direction. Being a leader is not bossing and controlling everyone else. That's not leadership. It has to do with serving everyone under your responsibility to be more efficient, to get the job done for God's glory. So why are we talking about leadership this morning? Well, because it's mentioned in the list of gifts in Romans chapter 12. We'll read that in just a few minutes. Leadership is one of the gifts that God gives to the local church because every church needs leaders. Romans 12 is on page 126 of the Bible, 
under that chair in front of you, if you'd like to look it up there. Our theme this year is Hope for Everyday Life. And this summer, we've been in a sub-series called Hope for Fruitful Service. That's where we're looking at the gifts. We all need to have hope when we serve together as a church. We end up fighting and frustrated and quitting if we don't have hope and if we're not working together in unity. Hope keeps us going. It's a confident hope that our service will be fruitful because God promised that it would be fruitful. Setting up these chairs that we're sitting in right now on Saturdays. Oh, it's an exciting thing to be part of the crew and to set the chairs up if we're thinking about everyone who will be sitting here and praising God and listening to the message on Sunday as we set up and as it's well organized, which it always is, and we're setting up the curtains and we're setting up all the equipment. We so appreciate the teams that do that. And it's, when it's efficient and it's smooth, well, we just have a great time, don't we, Cody? And that is what leaders do. They invite others, and they have a plan, and they get everybody together, and this is how we're going to do it. It's so exciting. First Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Peter says that every believer in Christ has received a special gift. Each one of us has a gift to serve God with. And some have the gift of leadership. So now Romans 12, the passage we want to look at that's in your Bibles there on page 126. It says in the back section of the Bible, 126 in the back of the Bible. um, It says this in verse 6, Romans 12, 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And here's the list. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, here's today's gift, he who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So the part of this passage we're focusing on are those five words right there that say, he who leads with diligence. And how do you get a message out of five words? Well, we look around the New Testament and we find seven verses that use the same word, leads, and it tells us more about what this gift of leadership looks like and how it works. Many of you have the gift of leadership by the Holy Spirit. But it's possible to fail to use your gift and it's possible to use it incorrectly. It happens. It happens way too often. Serving in the flesh is a potential detour. So we need to study, we need to understand what the good and perfect will of God is about the gift of leadership. So we're finding hope in the Spirit's gift of leadership. All those in the church who have other gifts need to be brought together and organized and work together. And it only works when everyone allows themselves to be led. 
The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 3.17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. It's unprofitable for each of us to frustrate and cause grief to the leaders God has given to us. Following well brings joy to the Lord and the leaders he has placed in our lives. We don't want to bring them grief and we don't want to bring grief to the Holy Spirit. But we do too often, don't we? We need to repent. We need to, to correct and adjust and change. And then, and then we learn to work better together. And we grow and we change. So let's go ahead and take a quick look at these seven verses that have the word lead in them. Well, the word lead is in them in the Greek because none of them have the word lead in English. Isn't that interesting? But it's there in the Greek, I promise you. So here's the first verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.12. And I'm only going to look at the phrase for now. We'll look at it again later. But for now, only look at the underlying phrase. It says, and have charge over you in the Lord. So that's what leading is, is having charge over other people. The word here is proistamenos. That's a mouthful in Greek, which literally means the one standing in front. That's the leader. It's the one standing in front. But it also communicates the idea of managing, as in uh, this verse, it says to have charge. It means managing, taking responsibility, going first, and having charge. Those are ideas. And here's the next verses, the next three go together. First Timothy 3 says, again, the underlying part says, one who manages his household well, and it does it twice in this verse, managing his household well. And then First Timothy 3.12 says, and good managers of their children. So managing well, it gets applied. This word leads, proistomenos, applies to the family of managing our children, having them organized and marching in the right direction. And 1 Timothy 5.17, the leaders who rule are to be considered worthy of double honor. Those who manage, lead, and rule is another word that is used to describe leadership. And then there's two, our last two of the seven is Titus 3.8, careful to engage in good deeds and learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs. So it's a leader who is involved in good deeds, but is leading others to carry out good deeds in their lives. So a leader focuses on helping others to do all these things. And it ends up in good deeds which glorify God. So with all that in mind, let's think about three ways leaders in the church should be diligent. We'll especially focus on these seven verses. He who leads with diligence, Romans 12. It says, the one who leads should lead with diligence. Let's look again at 1 Thessalonians 5.12. Oh, the, sorry. Be diligent to follow the Lord's leadership is the first of these big ideas. The first three ways that we're going to follow the Lord is to be diligent to follow the Lord's leadership. And this is to the leaders. 
especially. Leaders need to be diligent to follow the Lord. Okay, so 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So here we have, they have charge over you in the Lord. That charge should be in the Lord. It's not in the leader. It's not in their will. It's not in anybody else's will. It's in the Lord. So the leadership should happen in the Lord. The leaders have a responsibility under Christ over you. Christ is the leader. Then the leader serves under Christ. And the leader is helping the rest of the church to move along in the right direction, to serve, to do good deeds. No one is at on the top of the authority chain in the church. No one is at the top of the authority chain. Why? Because Jesus is the top of the authority chain. The, the authority chain, if I didn't say that right. It can never be my way or the highway because I'm the boss. You ever heard an attitude like that? It can never be I'm in charge here, so we do things the way I say we do them. That shouldn't be heard in the church. It shouldn't be heard in the home either. The world has many leaders like that. But the church should never have leaders like that. Jesus is the chief shepherd and all other shepherds are under shepherds. The leaders of the church are submissive to the great king, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are submissive to those who have charge over them in the Lord, to others. We are all accountable to others. When a leader leads in the Lord, as this verse is saying, that motivates others to follow because they know that that leader is helping them follow the Lord. If you think... Pastor Steve Viers is the head of Faith Church who doesn't answer to anyone. You know, everybody else has to answer to him. You don't know Steve, and you don't know Faith Church. That's not how things work at Faith. Pastor Steve regularly asks for evaluations and gives account of all he does. It's biblical leadership that is practiced, and that is why so many excellent pastors are happy to stay for years and years and years of faith. It's wonderful to be a pastor at Faith Church. Godly leaders are out in front following the Lord and saying to everyone else, come, let us exalt his name together. Let's serve him together. Let's follow his commands and enjoy his blessings. There's an old hymn sung to the Lord Jesus Christ. King... Of my life, I crown thee now. Do you remember that hymn? How many people in our culture would adjust those words and say, King of my life, I crown me now? That's not the way it goes. This issue must be settled before you can make progress in the kingdom of God. If you have had bad experiences with leadership in the church or anywhere else, that doesn't mean you should choose to be autonomous. 
That doesn't mean you're better off being rebellious and submitting only to yourself and not submitting to anyone. That's a disaster. So this principle of following the Lord, which leaders ought to be doing, is a foundation to being a follower of Jesus Christ, period. We all wanting to be followers of Christ. We want this in our life too. Paul said it this way in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Submission is part of receiving Jesus. Do you remember what Paul was like before he became an apostle and wrote this? Saul of Tarsus had been a self-righteous enemy of Christ, persecuting those who would call themselves Christians or Christ followers. He was confronted by Jesus as he was on his way to do some more arresting and throwing people in jail. Saul had to realize who he was actually following and who he was persecuting. He was on the wrong side. He was an enemy of God. He changed sides. He repented. He began serving Christ no matter how difficult or how much mistreatment and suffering he would have to endure. Do you have a testimony this morning where you recognize a point in your life where you became a follower of Christ? If not, we invite you today to admit your sin and admit your rebellion to the king and begin to follow him, placing your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, asking him to forgive you and to save you and following him with your life. You see, you can't exercise the gift of leadership or follow those who have been given that gift until you first take care of the submission issues in your heart and your life till you take care of your submission to Jesus Christ. You need a relationship with Jesus. Do you believe that he died for your sins? Have you asked him to forgive you? You must be committed to following him. And for those who already have a relationship with Christ, and I would believe that is true of most of us in this room, the next step is learning to grow and serve. You know that exercising the gift of leadership in a godly way is not always easy. You know that following a person who is exhorting you to follow Jesus is not always easy because we struggle with our own sin and sometimes we see the struggle in the leader's sin and that kind of complicates things when we are trying to work together. If you do have the gift of leadership, that leadership can morph into dictatorship. What starts as a desire to honor Jesus can turn into prideful desires, wanting to be respected, wanting to be obeyed. Or what starts as joyful following turns into jealousy and someone else gets the credit. Nobody ever notices what I do, so I'm tired of serving. Well, we have to get our hearts right and get back to focusing on what gives us hope in serving. And this is not something new. It all started in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 
says, And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? There's the rebellion. What did, what did he done? What did, what did Adam done? What he had been told not to do by his leader. There's a stream of rebellion that runs in all our hearts unless we seek to address it in the power of Christ. That's the only way to overcome it. We can't follow someone else's leadership until we're willing to follow Jesus Christ and to grow in that. Are you growing? Fathers and mothers, would your children say that you have made your home more about Jesus than about what you want? Pastors and deacons. Oh, don't mind me. I'm, I'm going to talk to myself for a second, okay? Pastors and deacons. Are we following Jesus in a way that helps others run to Jesus and follow him to the cross? Well, ministry leaders, is that the focus of your ministry? Are we all giving thanks and joyfully allowing other leaders to direct us to the Lord in repentance and faith? Is following imperfect leadership hard? There's no doubt about that. We, we all need to be growing and hopeful about our future. To help us, the Lord has given us a future promise. A promise that should make us long for heaven. Imagine a situation where a leader is perfect. That's what Isaiah 42 describes. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He is so gentle. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice on the earth the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law well that's going to be amazing but it sure isn't how things are right now is it he is coming he is establishing his leadership but you know what the present reality is that we can live with some of that now if we will grow and change we can live with some of that victory some of that justice some of that love some of that patience and grace and mercy to be more like jesus we can live with that now because we know he is coming and we're serving him and he's giving us the power to serve him that way when leaders submit to christ and others follow the results are amazing in the middle of trials and ministry in the middle of suffering and difficulties we will never be completely free from suffering in this life but we can expect to be victorious in Christ. We just sang about that. But if you struggle to follow the leadership God has placed in your life, it's possible that the main problem is not a human leader problem. The main problem is a divine leader problem, submitting to him. In this rebellious culture, it's good to be reminded that God is the one who ordained concepts of leadership and submission. He's the one who established it to work this way. In fact, it's how things work within the Trinity. There's leadership and submission in the Trinity, and he put that in his world and in his church. 
And when people are functioning with their God-given roles, using God-given strength and principles, the end result can be a beautiful thing. And it is. So let's be diligent to follow the Lord. The first way to exercise leadership is following the Lord. That's how we started in our Christian life, and it's how we grow in our Christian life as we continue to learn to follow him. And now let's go to the second point with the next three verses, those seven verses that have the leadership verses. 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own house, if he doesn't have this leadership in his own house, things are a disaster, things are chaotic, things are upside down. How will he take care of the church of God? It's an important principle that needs to be evaluated. 1 Timothy 3.12 Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. We've said it doesn't mean perfection. It's not going to be perfect order and perfect unity in the family, but we're going in a direction. And, and we can see that we're guiding our families to know, love, and serve the Lord. And then First Timothy five seventeen, the elders who rule well, those who do a good job of at this should be considered worthy of double honor. We encourage. We double honor means to pay them even more, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Reward and encourage the leaders who do this well. So that means the leader must follow the Lord, and it means that he must be, in this case, diligent to organize and manage. Organize and manage so that our families, so that our church, so that at work, things are headed in the right direction. Managing and organizing well. You can tell if a person has the gift of leadership because they do a good job of organizing and they, they like to, to help other people do that. We can't all do that very well, can we? Me included. It's a gift given by the Spirit of God to the church of Jesus Christ and it starts by understanding the goal. See, it isn't just about getting things done. Some leaders can, can uh, be forceful and, 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 and require a lot and get things done. Well, it's not, that's not quite enough to lead as Christ would have us to lead. We have to remember the goal. The goal is about accomplishing the task in a way that draws people to a saving knowledge of Christ and it, and it gets things done in a way that glorifies God and follows Jesus Christ. It helps everyone involved become more like Christ in the process. That's the goal. Be more like Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way in Colossians 1.28. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom. Why? So that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. I grew up watching my dad and other missionaries do this 
in church planning in Mexico. They did a lot of work organizing things, services, building buildings, teaching Bible institutes, doing Bible studies, all with the goal of proclaiming the gospel so that people could know Jesus Christ. And my dad is here today. So exciting to to have our dad with us after 60 years of ministry in Mexico. And that reminds me that we don't have forever to get it right. We don't have endless opportunities. We need to take advantage of the opportunities God has given to us now because those opportunities run out. My dad struggles with dementia, and his days of serving that way are over. He can say yay, and he can, he can encourage, but, but he can't do it anymore. There comes a day when, when those opportunities to serve or to lead are gone. It's important to get with the business of serving Christ. My parents came to Faith Church in 1982 to learn how to address more of the challenging problems on the mission field or in the family and in in our own lives and solve them with the scriptures to grow in serving Christ. There's always more to learn as we serve and as we start new ministries, which with fall kickoff, that's what we do. We start some new things and, and new FCI classes. But it all fits under the goal to proclaim Christ. A unique unique ministry at Faith has been doing Christmas for everyone. And that'll be honest before we know it, won't it? it? It'll be, it's just around the corner, Christmas for everyone. And the leaders of that ministry are Matt and Nadia Belcher, along with a large number of men and women. Have you served in that ministry And the Belchers are not simply helping people to wrap presents or make them available to children who wouldn't get a present otherwise. That's not the main goal, right? The main goal is for them to get a glimpse of Christ. So we do that through the way we present the Bibles and other resources in Christmas for everyone. But the leaders have their eyes on the goal The kind of leadership that we see in this ministry is easy to follow. It's fun to be part of Christmas for everyone. It's the Holy Spirit being very good to his church by gifting people to lead us well. And what else do we see from these three passages? We've seen that we need to be diligent um, to, uh, to be organized, and we need a willingness to be out front. As the word leads, proestomenos in Greek says, it's the one that's standing in front. We have to be willing to stand up front and to lead. And you can't do that if you haven't been there before. If you haven't learned to follow and get there by following Christ and by following others, once you've done that many times, and then God gives you the, the desire to be up front and lead others to do that, that's the way The gift of leadership works. Elizabeth and Pepe are good friends in Mexico City. We miss them. And everyone else at Nueva Vida, just a couple weeks ago, they were leading VBS, a test of their leadership, a test of are they doing this the way 
they have been led and taught. Are they doing it in a biblical way? And Elizabeth says, oh, and here she is up front cheering on the kids, having a lot of fun just like we did here a few weeks ago. And she says, Jamie taught us how to do women's and children's ministries. And she taught us over and over again. And now we can do it with excellence. And that's because many years ago, Pastor Byers came to faith and taught us how to do VBS in new ways. Well, Pepe and Ellie are leading this group. They led this group of, of servants. And then there was the classes and the 131 children on the high attendance day and the 70 parents who came to the closing program. It's exciting to be a part of something when the Lord is working through his people, through the gifts that he has given to his leaders. Being willing to be out front. And I was, I'll, I'll finish that part about that. Jamie and I learned, learned VBS here to do it that way, and we took it, and we had to repeat and do things over and over again until the church finally gets it, and I think they got it. For God's glory. There are three reasons that we need to do things this way and to follow Christ because of the centrality of our mission, the importance of the ministry. That's why we need to manage and organize things well. We're not building businesses. We're not trying to make a name for ourselves like in the Tower of Babel. What are we doing? We're, we're following Jesus who said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's an amazing, it's an awesome promise. And when we keep that in mind, when the centrality of the mission is what is guiding us, it's amazing what God does in our lives. Because of the diversity of the body, we need to manage and organize well because because we're not all alike. Have you noticed? We're a little bit different in our backgrounds and where we're from and even in our... uh, customs and ethnicities even in our language we're not all alike so that's why ephesians says but now in christ jesus you who were formerly far off you've been brought near by the blood of christ and he is our peace who made both groups into one two two different groups he made into one if we were all more alike maybe it would be easier but i don't think it would be as much fun and that's not how it works here. It's not Faith North at all. Talk about diversity. Just look around. If a church family is as diverse as ours and it wants to accomplish anything, it's going to take some work to be able to do things together and to understand each other and to get along well and to have peace, which Jesus brought we're going to need all kinds of, of gifted leaders and, and gifted followers. 
because all the followers have gifts. We're all gifted. The leaders are not the only ones who are gifted. And thirdly, the way we do this because of the power and the beauty of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And we'll look at a couple more verses in Ephesians that say, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Those are all the leaders. For the equipping of the saints, that's the whole church, for the work of service to build up the body of Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the power working in each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Faith Church has about 175 employees. We have a lot of teachers at the school, and we have a lot of other employees too. But we hire as a last resort, as a last resort because most of what goes on around here gets done by lay people, by volunteers. And we need leadership to help get all of that work done. And it's the way God has ordained his church to function. Our passage in Romans 12 emphasized that leadership should be diligent. Right? And then it says we should organize and manage. And our last point is that we should be diligent to guide followers and doing good. We go back to the Titus passages. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed, God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable. And 3.14, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds, to meet pressing needs, so that they will not be unfruitful. We have to listen and understand those we serve. We have to listen and understand those who lead us in order to do good together, in order for all this diversity to work together. Paul modeled that to Titus when he was writing Titus, and he said, yeah, you got a tough job there. You've got people trying to teach false doctrine in the church. You got to correct that. And you also have this. Uh, one of their own cultural prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. What a description of their culture. And he says, so it takes a while to get this all working together. This is true, he says. So it's especially important in an adversarial culture. Do you think you could call our culture adversarial? It's getting very adversarial, right? It's harder to go forward when we bring those ideas into the church. We have to uh, be patient with one another, getting those ideas out of our hearts so that, so that we can get the truth of who we are and what we're doing and what our mission is. But it's possible to do this with the resources God has given to us. When we follow the leadership God has given to us. Anybody recognize that corner? That was a tavern that got torn down and a playground was put there. And then the Hartford Hub, the other building built across the street, it's where Pastor David Mora and, and the Steegers 
Kurt and Jolinda, they're working hard there. And we just heard about this earlier in our meeting before church, that there are a whole bunch of kids coming and getting their tutoring. And this takes servants. But we have to follow the leaders God has, has placed there and exciting things happen. Praise God for the leaders he has given to us. And then, then there's Ross Reader doing an amazing job there at the CDC. And the leaders are needed to guide the servants to do good. We're doing good at the, North, at, at the Hartford Hub and doing good at the CDC and, and renovating downtown, doing good deeds before the world as they watch Christ's church doing things Christ's way, not the world way. And they see it and, and they say, how does that happen? How do, they, how do they have all those people that are in there in places like that coughing up dust and doing it so joyfully, serving the Lord and making things look amazing? The results are blessings to the whole city of Lafayette. Leaders who teach others to do good with their abilities. So, this helps the church shine the light on the beauty of the gospel. That is what Jesus says in Matthew 5. I'll just read the last part of this verse, which says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. To be salt and light as a church, we need leaders who are gifted by the Spirit of God and we need followers gifted by the Spirit of God submissive in heart so that we will be ready to take advantage of every opportunity. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, we praise you for teaching us about our gifts. We need your help because we get off track so easily. The sin that so easily besets us, the weight that slows us down. And we thank you for Jesus Christ who can take care of those obstacles and that weight. But we, Lord, humbly and submissively ask that you would teach us to follow our leaders. And we pray that those with the gift of leadership would humbly follow your leadership. And we just thank you and praise you for how that happens here and the results that you are bringing, that fruit and that joy that we have as a result here at Faith Church. Lord, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.